Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Glory be to Jesus. All right, we have a lot to share. Um, so I'll share as fast as I can, then we'll pray. All right, so this is School of Prayer, part what? What do we call it? One or what? And we want to teach on edification in prayer. Edification in prayer. What I'm about to show you is one of the biggest secrets of my devotional life. This is the real intent of prayer. And this is what makes prayer actually work. All right. So this is School of Prayer 105. So School of Prayer, we're touching edification in prayer. Edification in prayer. I said this is the real purpose and the intent of prayer. Miles Moreau of Blessed Memory said, where the purpose of a thing is not known, abuse then becomes inevitable. And the reason why a lot of people don't get the best out of praying is because they don't really know what prayer is about. And I would have you realize this morning that the real focus and intent of prayer is not what it can do for you, but what it does in you. That's the real purpose and the intent of prayer. And if prayers are need-centered for you alone uh, or, or all the time, you're not going to see power manifested in your life consistently. This is so important. And so my simple objective today is to build a case for emphasis of edification in prayer. Again, to build a case for emphasis of edification in prayer. Why edification in prayer should be almost the totality of your prayer life. Not just requests, but edification. Essentially, since we started this teaching, we've been studying Luke 11, the Lord's Prayer. But you have to realize that Luke 11 is not the only place where the Lord's Prayer was being taught or where it was recorded. It was also recorded in Matthew chapter 6. And every good Bible student knows that every story in the Gospels that you are examining and that occurs in another Gospel must be examined side by side. So there is this principle called the principle of corroboration in Bible study by an early father called um, John Christostom. And just in case that sounds complicated for you, I want to break it down in, in a manner that you can all relate to as African children. How many of you grew up in a home that had just one TV? Raise your hand. Don't form now. All right. Thank you for that. Now, did it ever happen to you? You wanted to watch a program and daddy and mommy, were, they were watching news. Did it ever happen to you? And you were just like, what are they even saying? Let them finish unless, you know. You know, a lot of young people still don't like news. And that's bad. But I can understand. They are traumatized. They still see news as that thing that stands in the way of good entertainment. <laughs> Anyways, you know, so now you're waiting for daddy to finish watching TV on AIT, news on AIT. And guess what he does when he's done? He switches to NT to watch the same news. Has that happened to you before? And you were like, is it not the same thing they are saying? But guess what? Daddy and mommy know that the same news told by two different channels will have different perspectives and different emphasis. So even if the news, the, the news headlines remains the same, there are some details, however minute, that some people will miss out. 
And that's the same principle when you're studying Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You have to understand four different people are telling the same story with different emphasis. And I wish I had enough time to break down the emphasis to you. But the point I am making here is this. When you want to study the Lord's Prayer, don't just look at Luke 11. Look at Matthew 6. Because when you put both side by side, then you have a fuller perspective and you will know what really happened on that day. Are you with me? So when you go to Luke 11, you see in the first few verses, the Bible says Jesus was praying in a certain place. And the disciples were enthralled by his prayer and his devotion. And so they waited for him to finish. When he was done, they came to him and said, teach us to pray. John taught his disciples to pray. Teach us to pray. We've noticed something different about your prayer. You have more results. And there's just something that reflects intimacy. Teach us to pray. And this has been the anchor text throughout this series. Because that suggests to us that you can actually learn to pray. There is a school of prayer. Jesus didn't reply and say, oh, prayer is something esoteric or prayer is a gift. He actually taught them. So there is systematic theology. There is something called the doctrine of prayer. And you can learn to pray. Say loud amen if you believe that. But you see, Luke 11 just goes straight to the Lord's prayer. But Matthew 6 actually tells us that before Jesus began to teach them what to pray, he taught them what not to pray. And that's very important. Many of us, before we even begin to learn the principles of prayer, we have some unlearning to do. There are some things we do that have no business with prayer that we need to eradicate from our devotional construct immediately. For instance, Jesus said, when you pray, don't pray like a hypocrite, praying so that people will see you. He said, if you do so, you have your reward. So don't expect any answer in prayer if you were praying to impress people. Don't do that. And then he gives you a very important principle and secret. If you will meditate on this, it will change your life. He says, God sees the secret. And if you will pray in secret, God will reward you openly. How encouraging that is. That transactions in the spirit that happened in my closets can manifest in the public. And so my ministry will become the open reward of private toils. This is so powerful. Open reward of private toils. So like Jesus, you can be in the wilderness 40 days, 40 nights. No one sees you, but you return into Jerusalem in the fullness of the spirits. And then you open the book where it is written of you. And you say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. And you say, this day is this scripture fulfilled before your eye. That's something powerful. I wish I had enough time to teach on this. I taught on this at um, a program we called Deeper that held in Lekki, in our Lekki church. So this is how not to pray. Don't pray to be seen. That's not all. Jesus gave another principle that we must eradicate from prayer. He says, when you pray, don't use vain repetitions. And I really have to explain this because this is confusing, seemingly confusing. You say, how? I'm going to show you. But first, let's read it. Matthew chapter 6 from verse 7 to 8. Matthew chapter 6, 7 to 8. It says, but when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. But not, but be ye not, I beg your pardon, be not ye therefore like unto them. For your father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask them or before you ask him. This is so powerful. 
But the reason why this seems confusing is, what is vain repetition? In Luke chapter 11, Jesus taught importunity in prayer. He taught tenacity in the place of prayer. Keep on asking and you shall, re you shall receive. Keep on seeking and you shall find. Keep on knocking and the door shall be opened unto you. So, is there a difference between importunity in prayer and vain repetition? Is it vain to say the same thing again and again? And a simple principle in Bible interpretation is this. You move from what is known to what is not known. So when you look at the life of Jesus, you see that in his ministry, he taught importunity in prayer by precept and example. All right, so what's the difference between importunity in prayer and vain repetition? Now, I said in the life and ministry of Jesus, he taught importunity in prayer both by precept and example. So he couldn't possibly be referring to vain repetition, or he couldn't possibly be referring to importunity in prayer as vain repetition. So when you look at the ministry of Jesus, how did he start his ministry? He prayed and fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He can't do that, then turn around and say, it is wrong to pray repetitively, generally. So that must be referring to something else. Not just that the Bible tells us, and in at least one instance, that Jesus prayed through the nights. I mean, from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. That's Jewish nights. All right? 12 hours. So that cannot possibly be what he's referring to. So what then is he talking about? Let's pay attention to the context. These are things to note. Number one, the difference between importunity and vain repetition is motive. That's very important, is motive. How do I know this? Because Jesus said, Matthew 6, 7, he says, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. So it's a different thing to pray long and a different thing to pray long because you think that your saying more things increases your chances of getting an answer from God. It's a different thing to know that this matter you are handling requires time. And it's a different thing to know or to think that God is someone who is not interested and you have to present your case in court before him. He said he's your father. So the motive matters, all right? So there's a difference between importunity and loquacity. It's different. You, you don't just, you are talkative generally, then you bring it to the prayer time. And then the angels are like, ah, Jesus. Go straight to the point. You're praying about ministry, Abby. But here's the second thing. Pay attention to this. The second point is this. Not all repetition is vain. Yes, there is vain repetition, but not all repetition is vain. I mean, for crying out loud, in Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, the Bible tells us that four living creatures, each having six wings, full of eyes around them, rest not night or day, but they say, holy, holy, holy. How's that for repetition? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. So that's all they do. That's all they've been doing since they were created. That's all they're doing now. That's all they will do forever. So Jesus could not be referring to this as vain repetition. Worship and repetition in worship is never vain. 
to just keep being in awe of the power of God. Oh God, you are wonderful. You are awesome. You are excellent. You are mighty. Oh, there is no God besides thee. And you do that from sun up to sundown. That's not vain. Though it may be repetitive. Come on, are you with me? The prayers of consecration are never repetitive. Are never vain in repetition. Prayer of consecration, that's another example. It's not vain repetition. Jesus is an example. At, at Gethsemane, he prayed the same thing three times. He prayed for a bit, went and woke the disciples, went, the Bible says he prayed the same thing, the exact same words. That's repetition, but it was not vain. Because in the place of consecration to begin with, the reason why you are re-emphasizing what you are saying is not because God needs time to answer it, but it's because in the place of consecration, you know that you are going to stay on it because you need time. So it's not to persuade God to answer. It is you putting your flesh under and that takes time. Say amen if you understand what I'm saying. So that's important. So Jesus couldn't possibly be against all forms of repetition and yet prayed three times in the Garden of Gethsemane saying the same thing all the time. So what then is vain repetition? This is context specific. He says, Be not ye therefore like unto them, Matthew 6, 8, for your father knows what things you have need of. Can you say need? So when he's talking about repetition in prayer or vain repetition, he's talking specifically about needs. Not all prayers address needs. When you're praying, when you're worshiping the Lord, you're not addressing any need. So when you are handling need, there is the possibility of vain repetition. There is the possibility. And I'm going to show you how. And just to be more specific, not just needs, but material necessities. See, so this is what corroboration does for you. You've studied Luke 11. Now you come to Matthew 6. And you are following the line of thoughts. What does he mean by vain repetition? He said, don't pray like the heathen. And then he goes on in verse 25. He says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink. Nor for your body what you will put on. Can you say with me, say material necessities. He said, do not worry. Ah, listen, do you know many people, if you reject this from their prayer fabric, they have nothing else to pray. That's all they pray about. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. All from sun up to sundown. My name is Jimmy. Give me, give me, Jimmy. And now he says, don't worry about that. Don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about what you will drink. Don't worry about your body, what you will put on. He says it's not life more than food and the body more than raiment. Listen, he's teaching on prayer. And he's teaching, like I taught you earlier, priority in prayer. And if you don't understand first and foremost that your God is a responsible father, your prayer will remain petty. What kind of father would need his toddler to remind him every day that he has not eaten? It says more about the father than about the toddler. What kind of father would that be? And so he says, your heavenly father already knows that you have need of this. Imagine you had that mindset in the place of prayer. 
He's not done. He says, look at the birds, the birds of the air. They don't sow nor reap. They don't even have a job. Now, this is just a technique, all right? Um, when you want to make a point, you use an extreme example. This is not saying you shouldn't have a job. So he says, even the birds that don't have a job, <laughs> all right? They don't sow, neither do they reap. They don't gather to banks. They have no bank accounts. He says, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? He says, which of you by worrying can add any cubit to your stature? It doesn't improve your prayer life. And when you pray worrying, it doesn't work. This is why Paul told the church at Philippi. He says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything with prayer and supplication, meaning you deal with anxiety before you even pray. Are you getting this? But some of you, you are just petrified and perturbed every day thinking, how will I survive the month? How will I survive the year? And you can be religious about your anxiety and call it faith. Because you are praying every day and you are thinking you are pleasing God and you are wondering why the answers are not coming. Put anxiety out of the way. Trust your father. He said, look at the birds of the air. The fowls of the air. You know fowls, the musician? I'm just playing. I'm joking. He gives another example. He says, don't worry about your clothing. He says, just look at the grasses. Look at your vegetation. He says, today they are, tomorrow they aren't. Yet your father clothes them. He says, even Solomon in all his glory and splendor doesn't dress better. He says, if grasses don't even have a long lifespan, today they are, tomorrow they aren't. How much more you? You are worth more than many sparrows. You are worth more than all the vegetation in the world. It's a perspective, a mindset. So what if you already recognize that some aspects of your life are settled already? Maybe then you'll be able to focus on more important things and your prayer will change. And that's why he's teaching them how to pray. And he says, say, our oh, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Listen, if you knew that your bread is already catered for, you will spend more time worshiping and saying, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. You will pray more Christ-centered, kingdom-focused prayers. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But your stomach will not allow you to focus on kingdom. Hallelujah. And I've taught you this before. The funny thing is, if you keep praying for bread, he will answer, at least for a while but he will keep expecting you to grow up. So on two occasions, Jesus multiplied bread. Five loaves and two fish, seven loaves and two fish. But one day they came for bread again, and he said, no, I am the bread. That's maturity. Grow up. No more multiplication. Stop seeking me for the bread I give, but for the bread that I am. That's maturity. And you listen, the reason why many people hear sermons like this, and they say, hey, but it worked for me. He wants you to grow up. And that's why it looks like it's fluctuating. Sometimes you pray it is answered. Sometimes it's not answered. Do you understand? Because when God is providing for the immature Israelites in the wilderness, he expects them to learn something and finally focus on him. There are bigger issues in prayer. He said, pray your kingdom come. 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I taught on this two weeks ago. I want you to go and listen to the sermon. Because even give us this day our daily bread was not talking about the bread in your oven. He was talking about salvation. I'm the bread come down from heaven. That's why he said, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. It is that bread broken that brings forgiveness. So the whole thing was actually kingdom focused, salvation focused. How can he say, take no thought, what you shall eat, and then teach you to say, give us our daily bread? You should know he was talking about something else. And then he shows you a better way. Ah, do practice. He says, seek first. Listen, are you listening to me, everybody? He says, seek first the kingdom. This is Jesus giving you AOC. Area of concentration. Making prayer easy for you. Seek first the kingdom. Stop using kingdom to round off prayer. You pray, give me, give me, give me. Then when you're about to round off, you know, I'm sorry, respectfully. Many people, that's how they pray their devotion. I say, now let's remember missionaries all over the world. Let's pray at the world, you know. Once you hear that, you, are, you, you, you first have a sigh of relief. You know the prayer will soon end. They say, or when they say, let's begin to thank God. You only thank God when you're rounding off. Then you that have been praying loud before, casting out devils and all of that, binding and breaking calabash in the village. When they now say, let's thank God, you're now whispering. Have you noticed? Why do people whisper when they say, let's thank God? You have to change. Seek first. Let this be your fervent passion and desire above all things. Seek as first priority. Let it be first place in your heart. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. He said all these things are proposed to Faratagus. It comes with the package. It comes with the package. He's telling you how to achieve this easily. Study the Bible well. Some of the things that people are trying to achieve by warfare follow a person of intimacy. So you are finding, you, you know, you're spending time mentioning things like, oh, everyone in the village putting a calabash, any palm oil, oil in the village with my picture on it. You know, you are mentioning all those things. And have you realized most of the times we pray this prayer in case? It's not as if it was even revealed to you that there's any calabash. It's, you just, you try to cover all the options. Whether they use calabash, you pray about calabash, then you pray about tree. Then you now pray about any cloth taken to the coven. Then you pray. Do you, do you understand? And you won't grow that way. You won't grow that way. Ah! You spend six hours trying to break chains. But study. The Bible tells us that Peter was in prison. He was in jail. He was arrested on account of the gospel. And the Bible tells us an angel stepped into the prison and the chain fell off his hand on their own accord. The things you are trying to break will break on their own with the presence. I told you two weeks ago when we were talking about compelling prayer, even the psalmist described it. He observed that the mountains, even things that are meant to be stationary, begin to run away at the presence of God. He said, the mountains are skipping like rams. The rivers are turned back. He said, mountains, why are you running? Why are you running? Rivers, why are you turned back? He said, tremble, O earth, 
at the presence of God. And so this is, this is, this is why they wanted Jesus to teach them to pray. Because he had more results. These demons that they would spend sun up to sundown trying to cast out, Jesus would just be walking past and they would start screaming. Have you come to torment us? He had more results. And if you do what Jesus did, you will see what Jesus saw. Listen, spend time fellowshipping with the Father. That's the real intent of prayer. Let me ask you this. When Adam was praying, fellowshipping with God in the cool of the day, what was he asking for? A new job? Or car? What did he want? What did he want? Did he need a healing? So listen, you have to understand this. If your perspective and focus in prayer does not make sense before the fall and after the second coming of Christ, you are wrong. So if you take away needs from your prayer and your prayer is empty and shallow, it means you have not started praying. Because the focus and the priority of prayer is not what it can do for you, but what it does in you. I'm presenting to you a concept called edification in prayer. Paul prayed that you will be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man. That's a different focus. That's different from praying from a, for a new job, a new car, as wonderful as all those things are. Strengthened with might. Once you are strengthened with might, some things will rush after you. Don't you understand? We are not meant to pursue signs. Signs are meant to pursue us. He says, this signs shall follow. They will line up behind you. That's what he's saying. Follow them that believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. He wasn't even talking about prayer. It can be an accidental contact. Prayer. Not prayer. Just laying hands on the sick. I remember as an undergraduate, I was spending time meditating. I was reading a book, Secret Place by Dale Five. And I just, I didn't even know something was changing. Even though as I read the book, I became more conscious of the anointing, conscious of the presence of God. Then I was done. I stepped upstairs and I saw a friend, a lady, and I raised my hand to give her a high five and she fell on the floor, pinned on the ground. And demons, I mean, people were there. It was an open office, and this happens. Now the lady is pinned to the ground. Just because I focused, you know, and as a new believer, before that same thing, to cast out devil, ah, come out. <laughs> the one day, I said, come out. The demon said, no, I remove shit. <laughs> come out. I said, you go naked, though. <laughs> Better learn what I'm teaching you. <laughs> no time. Hallelujah. Now, three minutes, three minutes. Three is too much. Eh? 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 Are you listening to me? So I'll read three texts. Then we pray. Let this be your focus in prayer from today. Turn your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4. We'll read 1 Corinthians 14, 4, then we'll read Jude, verse 20. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Are you learning anything? Are you ready? All right, 1 Corinthians 14, 4. Read together, loud as you can, one, two, go. Now he's talking about prayer. But this time around, he's not talking about anything external. He's talking edification. He that prays in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Oh, he charges up himself. The word translated edified is oikodomio. It's actually a building construction term. To lay brick upon brick in your spirits. Lay brick upon brick. Now you are focusing on arranging things externally. Listen, if you arrange things internally, everything external will align. He said, lay brick upon brick. Edify yourself. Charge up yourself. Listen, you are too lackadaisical. You are too mediocre. He says, put some fire within. Charge some fire. Fan the flames. Let the embers in your spirit become more ferocious. Edify yourself. Charge up yourself. And then Jude verse 20 says, but you beloved, building up yourselves. <laughs> I mean, listen, say that with me, I can build myself. Ha ha ha! Building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You can rise up in favor. You can begin to roar. And then the things that you have been afraid of will become afraid of you. I've told you several testimonies. There was a time we were going out for a program. But me and, uh, we're just friends then. They we're not even pastors of this ministry. The church had not started. I don't think that started at that time. We're praying. We prayed, 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 prayed. Then we went out on the road. As we got to a junction in Mushi, somebody was looking at me funny and came to me and said, Oju edabie mi mimo. Which Yoruba people interpret to mean, your eyes look like the Holy Ghost. I know what he's talking about. So now, is it that kind of person you want to use something to touch on the road? You touch me, you disappear. Now you go disappear. <laughs> you touch me. Hallelujah. Start focusing on the anointing. Hallelujah. Just focus on it. Focus on the unction, the grace that you have in the Lord. Stir it up. Fan up that flame. Fan up that flame. You will, start, you will start bothering about who took your clothes to the village, who took your... Yeah. The fact that they could carry it, nothing happened. Eh? They could carry it and nothing happened. That's strange. It's wrong. It ought not to be so. I can give you testimonies. The reason why I share some of these testimonies is just to charge you up and to let you see the possibilities that are yours. When I was about to graduate from the university... I gave someone my suit, not even as mantle. I don't do that. You know, just, I felt it was going to look nice on him. And then one year after, there was this guy who had been acting funny. They began to pray for him. Demons began to talk through him, you know. So they, they were trying to cast the demon out and they were having issues. So this guy brought in the suit. After one year, they must have dry cleaned that suit several times. In one year, I hope.
But as he brought the suit inside, the demon shouted. Say, I know what you want to do. You want to touch me with a Manuelian suit. Mentioned my full name. I was not a student anymore. One year after. And the funny thing is, when I was giving him the suit, I didn't hold the suit and say, you know, I didn't do that. Respectfully. Do you understand what I'm saying? I didn't do that. Just the fact that it's your possession. Just the fact that you wore it, you touched it. It becomes extraordinary. Are you getting what I'm saying? Listen, even in the old covenant, you have to understand, Elijah didn't pray for that man to low. As he was going, the wind blew it. That's what happened. It fell. Elijah picked it. Just because it belonged to Elijah, something was on it. And these were men of the senses, men of the old covenant. How much more you? Listen, Elijah did not have the Holy Ghost inside him. You have the Holy Ghost in you. It must count for something. It must. It must. Listen, there is glory and mighty working power at work in you. Learn to fan the flames. Fan the flames. Rise up. Let the superman in you arise. And let the devil be scattered. You know, there's someone, someone you all know now, by the grace of God, he's doing great in music industry. Joe Deep, wonderful fellow. He came to my house to spend the night. This was years ago. And something happened. Me, I'm an eventful sleeper. You know, I... <laughs> say what you like. I work hard. I must sleep well. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so I'm sleeping. I'm just rolling. And I will roll and my hand will hit him. And he, he was describing to me the next morning what was happening. Jolts of electricity will flow through his body. He will wake up. It woke him up three times. Like you, you felt electricity. You wake up. Look at me sleeping. <laughs> you know? That's how we roll. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? I want to give you, I want to give you a challenge. Change your focus. Start with one week or one month. See if your life will not change. Stir up glory. Now, is it the person that is sleeping and touching someone mistakenly and power is flowing that demon will now press? You will enter, you want to press me, Emmanuel. You enter lion's den. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You want to impress. You want to impress. Maybe your fellow demons are charging you. Go, you can do it. <laughs> Hallelujah. I charge this atmosphere. There is glory in here. Glory. Sing it from your spirit, say. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.